Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. All right, everybody, welcome back to a long-awaited episode of the Ranching High, huh, easy for you to say, Ranching Side Hustle podcast, a series in the within the Ag State of Mind podcast. Uh, with me, as always, on the Ranching Side Hustle podcast is my buddy and co-pilot, Tyler Keckley. Tyler, welcome back, man. Hey, man, what's up? We, uh, you know, we're recording this on January 9th. And if all, if all things, if all of Tyler's prayers would have been answered, he would have been not on the call tonight because he would have been watching his football team play in the national championship. But as, as it may, as it, as it turns out, God is not an Ohio state fan. (laughs) I think he was just more, he was more in line with seeing the ball drop. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's been going on lately, man? Oh, well, where do you want to start? We'll start on the ranch, I reckon, right? Um, yeah. we've uh, we went through a little bit of a blizzard, and I say blizzard real lightheartedly because it wasn't snowy, it just got real cold. Yeah. So, we broke ice for a few days, and cows we've got hunkered out of the wind somehow, and we got everything managed through it. Nothing. We really didn't have at our place. We didn't have any problems actually. We we had one water freeze up down the kind of the up pipe coming out of the ground, but we got that handled relatively easily. Um, and then we've just been dealing with mud, man. It got warm after that. Frost came up back out of the ground. We got a uh, bunch of rain, and so now it's um, dealing with mud. We were trying to get some projects done to make basically make a dry lot and and all stone, and we haven't had it. We need. We either need all the frost out of the ground and it dry, or we need a little bit of frost in the ground. Give us kind of a, <clears throat> a bottom side a and we don't have either. Yeah. We yeah, don't have yeah, either yeah. right now. So we're, we're struggling with the mud. Um, but tis that time of year. Yeah, man. So, mud's the worst. Like yeah. I'll take 20 degrees and frozen ground any day over 40 in mud. I would, I would, I mean, you said 20, I would have taken it colder. I mean, yeah, for sure. It, Mud is mud is just a. Uh, it gets on everything, it slows everything down. It's yeah. always a pain. I mean, net wrap on, on bales, it gets stuck in the mud, and then your gloves are wet, and then your pants are wet, and then everything's yeah. wet. The dog, the cattle never look out of the pasture either. Coated Cat- in it. Yep. Trucks are trucks side by side. Trucks. Everything. 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 Yeah, oh, you, said man, but... you said your stepdad got the tractor. The tractor, yeah. four-wheel drive yeah. tractor stuck I, today. I was running behind today. We had some appointments after work, and um, I said, hey, man, do you mind, you mind getting chores done for me? You just got to feed cows, and I already had feed buckets ready for calves in the barn. And he's like, yep, no problem. Then he texts me a little later. He goes, man, it's really slimy out there. Got stuck. And I was like, well, like, you got stuck because you know how muck boots are in muddy pens. Sometimes your boot stays put, but you're sure. yeah. out of it. So I was like, what do you mean, you or the tractor? And it took a little while for the response to come in, but it came back with <laughs> the tractor. 
What we got? Oh gosh. So I don't know where I'll find out tomorrow where that where that happened. But now we'll have some damage control in this, you know, later this spring, but we'll we'll manage. It's yeah. You know, it's crazy to think about though that like I can't I can't think it doesn't compute with me. It's as as late early in the whatever the yeah. time of year doesn't compute with me right now. Mm. Like I was thinking of because I haven't really even started feeding much hay yet. And, you know, I know we're further south than you and we have that, but we're lucky in that aspect that we get a lot more growing season. Um, but I, you know, I just turned, I just turned cows on a paddock of grass, probably about, oh, 20 acres of grass that's up past their bellies, you know, and that'll get them through another month at least. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's been, um, it's, I would agree. It's been such a kind of a weird winter. Um, we haven't had the snowfall here that we normally do, which was a little concerning because we were pretty dry through like our normal grain harvest time. So September, October, November were yeah, really dry, too. like yeah, really dry again. And we were really dry, like May, June. And so we, I was starting to get really concerned with what 2023 was going to look like pasture wise. And then December showed up and it brought some rain with it. And we haven't, I mean, I think we've only had two or three inches of snow all winter. And really we've, I can't, I mean, for the month of December and the what first nine days of January, we probably have only had a handful of days below freezing in the low as the low, not even the high. Um, and which has been really weird. So it, yeah, it seems, Seems strange to be, you know, almost the middle of January and we're kind of already, I'm already like, I'm looking at March, April and I'm like, oh man, well, we got plenty of time and it's, we really don't. It's not really. We yeah. It ain't that yeah. far away. So for those of people who might be listening for the first time to the Ranching Side Hustle podcast, Tyler is in Northwest Ohio and I am in uh, pretty much central, South central Missouri. So, um, him and I have a little bit different context and he deals with a little bit colder temperatures than I do. Um, you know, you deal with a little bit more snow, you deal with a little bit shorter, probably growing season. So, um, where you're probably, you're running probably pretty low on grass. Is that, am I, yeah. am I right? Yeah. We, yeah. we're only, we're only grazing in one pasture and I I've got, uh, just a few head of, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, of replacement heifers. And so they're not, I mean, they've got like 10 acres of grass. That's probably knee deep, maybe not quite that deep. And it'll take them. I mean, I'll be able to let them graze that till I turn them loose to my bull this, this oh, summer. Okay. They just, well, that's won't. Good. they don't eat much, which is nice. Cause they're here at my house. So heifers are so nice because they, they spots, do not so. eat much. Yeah. I know that. So I'm, so you visited whenever you visited here, we went to my other farm and that's where I do a lot of, it's where I, it's where I test a lot of stuff out. And usually I have replacement heifers over there. Well, this year I did something different and I did a, I did kind of a buy sell marketing type thing where I bought a, mm. bought a bunch of uh, older, not, not like broken down old cows, but shortened solids uh, seven-year-old cows that were second and third stage. I'm right. I'm, I'm going to leave them over there, calve them out, sell everything, split the pairs, sell everything in the fall. Um, there you go. so, but I'm, I'm very, I, I didn't really consider how much difference in 
forage needs those big mature cows you know <laughs> are going to need versus yeah. what i've usually re grazing Require. over there is replaced oh my gosh it's like it's it's crazy like they they have they have burned through so much and it just not even i mean that's the really the only way you really learn is um and and i bought so some of them so cheap that i could not buy them type yep. of deal. You know, and so, well, we have, we have plenty of hay to get us through the winter. Um, I just, uh, and I knew that going through and even every, you know, every single day that I don't feed hay, that's one more, you know, that's yeah. four extra bales that I won't have to feed into the spring. You know yep. what I mean? So yep. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for the warm weather. Yeah, we've been, um, so we don't, on our place, we actually don't produce any of our own hay. Um, we generally... Right stock up with stalker calves in the spring and graze it all and then turn them calves into backgrounders and move on that way versus making hay out of it. Um, so we do buy hay and um, we try to generally make it to Christmas to okay. before we start feeding. That's our goal okay. every year is make it to Christmas. So we generally only feed for like 90 days a year, which okay. I'd love to get it shorter. Um, but we're growing our cow herd. We've been growing for the last several years. Um, and so I'm, I'm still learning like, okay. Um, and we're buying hay from maybe two or three different dealers. And it's like some hay are five by fives and some hays are four by fours and mm -hmm. some are four by fives. And so I'll be like, Oh, I fed this group of hay and it only lasted X amount of days. And then I'm like, well, why did it only last that many? I had X amount of rolls. Like it normally I can feed, like I can get two or three days worth of feed out of that versus one. And so I'm still trying to find that nuance of, how to make the how to make this wheel turn a little more yeah. efficiently so, maybe it's a better way or just not so clunky i'm still learning uh, quite a bit being first generation and we're still learning <laughs> so so the the best way to buy hay and this is what i i i i've never bought hay this way i've never sold hay this way but the best way to buy hay is just like you would buy calves and that's by the pound it's by yep. the ton versus, you know, because you can, these, especially these new balers have such intricate, um, wrapping, wrap density, uh -huh. you know, uh, pressure. Like we can turn, I can't even tell you that. So they told us, we got a new baler this past summer and they told us to not run it on as high, a, a high a PSI for the first, like 60 bales just to get it going. And, you know, once we turned that PSI up, man, it just like, it was night and day how much, I mean, you can, I bet you it'll, a, a bale last a third longer with the new, with the, with the PSA all the way up. And you're unrolling bales behind your, behind your truck or tractor? Yeah. Is that how you're feeding now? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's how we've always fed and, you know, feeding that way for us, um, it it, it kind of serves a lot of purposes you know you got bedding for the calves um mm -hmm. you've got uh you're you're seeding the ground um and you're spreading it out for the cows um you know so there's they're not all bunched up around a hay ring or something but at the same time there is a element of waste to it yep. that is especially when it's muddy which yep. Thankfully, it hasn't been too muddy here, 
but it's that's a, something that's you know that's significant there's pros and cons to doing it each way yeah we're so we're currently unrolling as well and we're are you uh, all the same reasons you mentioned is the same reasons we do it um we we also pair ours with our uh we soil map every few years mm. so we get soil samples and so then we can say okay well we need a little more nutrient density we need some organic matter we need some nitrogen here like in this specific spot and so we'll go through and we'll feed there and try to get that nutrient density put back so we're kind of variable fertilizer dealers too you know um i think right i think maybe we undervalue kind of the ability we have with that but yeah. we are building like i said earlier we're trying to build a like basically a dry lot for our cows and really back it's more for our backgrounded steers than it is for cows but we're going to build like little fence line feeders that we can basically put a week's worth of hay um, into these feeders. So we're starting the tractor once a week versus every day or every mm -hmm. other day. Mm -hmm. And just trying to find a way to, you know, for me, especially this being a side hustle, I'm trying to find a way to find some time. Sure. And so if I can feed once, if it takes me 20 minutes to feed um, once a week, let's say, because if when this is done, I literally don't have to leave gravel or concrete. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. That's nice. That's very nice. Everything is close to the barn. Everything's at the barn lot. I could basically feed once a week for 20 minutes versus now it probably takes me maybe 10 or 15 minutes just to feed cows. Cause you know, I got to go grab the bale and then I got to take the bale out to the pasture and open gates. And then I got to cut the net wrap off of the bale and then try not to fall down in the mud and then roll up the, the net wrap, try to store it somewhere on the tractor and then unroll the bale, drive back to the barn. And so, you know, if I can save 20 minutes a day, six days a week, uh, that adds up to a lot of time for me to get yeah. other things done. Or quite frankly, I got other stuff going on. Like yeah, my job and ranching aren't the only two things I do. So sure. Yeah. Um, no. And I mean, that's what, you know, that's, I think really like the, the whole I get a lot of, you know, I, how do you get it all done? It's like, well, you find those little competitive advantages in time in where you can, you can like tonight we, um, I moved some cows. So since you and I have had a podcast together, I have completed my, uh, my equip project, my equip fencing nice. project. And I've got 110 acres of paddocks, uh, seven paddocks uh but you know you can uh you, you can subdivide them with poly wire and stuff so i mean really an unlimited amount of paddocks um you know i'm still working on a grazing plan um but you know tonight it's the where where i have all this has about 20 minutes from my house and i drove over there in the side by side tonight and um you know sometimes it can take up to an hour over there you know yep. but tonight took about 10 minutes i think actually no i timed it on my watch it was 17 minutes to do yeah to move everything and get everything all the fence put back up and everything so you know and those cows are checked and i won't see them again for another three days you yep. know i put them in that big lots of grass and i'm gonna let them uh you know get some impact on that on that paddock for because it's i mean it's got we didn't have anything on it all summer because it was uh the fence, fence was so bad yeah yeah exactly uh, yep. so it's uh you know so there's little times like that where it can it can take a lot of time or it can take just a little bit of time yeah 
I do. I found it interesting. I was thinking earlier today about about us meeting tonight, and I was like, well, maybe not the last time we talked, but it might have been the time before. You and I were both seriously contemplating liquidating a large chunk mm-hmm. of our herds. Like mm-hmm. I'd actually thought about selling all of our cows, mm-hmm. getting out of the cow calf business altogether. And you were, hey, bottom enders are getting ready to fix them to hit the town. And you might have had some bottom enders go. Um, we we've kind of semi-pivoted. Um, you know, we're doing some embryo transfer work now. So we've got some of our cows as recepts, and which is strange to say as we're running registered Gelbies and we've never sold seed stock cattle before, but I've got uh DNA samples right here that got to get mailed oh, wow. out this week um, of some bulls that I think we have a shot at marketing and we're doing some embryo work for some friends of ours and neighbors that we're trying to find ways to add value with size we are versus just liquidate. I, not that I thought that was the easy way out because it's not really hard to want to do seems that. simple, but, yeah. but though it, it is a simple, simple solution. Yeah. And, and so, I've got some calls that need to go, but it's, I felt like if I could pivot and find a way to, to add value somewhere else. It was going to offer me uh, far more than just liquidating cows. Because I wouldn't be able, even if I liquidate all the cows, I'd refill this spring with stocker cow. And right. it would well, probably got cause grass me three that times as to... many headaches if I did that than if I just liquidated cows, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, and, and I am, I'm not going to liquidate. I am going to call pretty deep this. Yep. I'm gonna, uh, the vet's going to come out around uh, probably middle of March and we're going to preg everything. We're going to mouth everything. Uh, anything that's going to have me a calf within the next 60, 90 days is going to stay. Uh, anything that's not and is going to go, um, yeah. we're going to make it easy. Um, yep. you know, we're not going to have any, you know, we, we tend to have emotional subsidies on this place. A lot of the time, oh, we do. <laughs> The more kids you have, the more bucket calves and show heifers they get stick around. You're just you you just wait, you know. And, I, I and we we don't even show. My kids are so young; they don't show yet. And we try not to keep any any bottle babies if we can. And literally, my wife and I decided that you know when we started our cow herd that our kids would each get a heifer calf when they were born. Sure, like sure. out of our matriarch cow herd, which was two, that if they had heifer calves, we'd give them to our kids so that they always had a cow. And then if we, if they had a steer calf, then we would, you know, give them the net margin and put it in their account. And it was a heifer calf. We basically give them the same net margin, but we retain it. So now like my son, he's like, well, that was my cow and she had a heifer. So then that's my heifer. And then that heifer had a heifer. And now I've got three generations and they all had steers this year. He goes, dad, you owe me some money. Yeah. Well, this is not the way this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's the downside to raising a son with my economic focused brain, raising him the same way is going to probably put me in a bit of a pickle at some point. Yeah. Well, it's it's a good, it's a good problem to have. That's true. That's true. But no, I think, um, it, it is interesting how, um, you know, the market, the weather, everything's kind of allowed us or maybe given us the opportunity to pivot. And um, I think as I am thinking of people that are listening to this, whether you're ranching full time, farming full time or you know, have a side hustle or want a side hustle or want to grow it. I think it's a testament to the fact that um, whatever your priorities are for what you want you can find space in that. Like you don't have to like, 
2022, I did not push my background business nearly as hard as I thought I could have. I probably could have stocked a little heavier in our background business. And I just chose not to, cause I was trying to find more time at home to be honest with mm -hmm. you. And I felt like the balance was really good. If anything, it was probably a little lopsided to home and my full-time job than it was the ranch. And so mm -hmm. going into 23, it's, Hey, we're going to take that dial. We're going to try to just tweak it a little bit to find balance again, because balance is not a one-time thing. As you know, it's, it's a constant battle. It's an every uh, hour balance. It's an every day balance. It's an every week balance. Yeah. It's balance is kind of a moving target. We carry and I actually talked about it on the podcast last week and uh, you know, balance is something that is, looks different, a little bit different for everybody. And, and even for an individual, it looks different from time to time for the individual. And, um, you know, I think you just have to stay balance is one of those things you just kind of have to stay on top of and yep. shift it when it needs shifting. Yep. And I think having, I'm, I have not had a chance to listen to you and Carrie's yet. It's on my next playlist. I've got a long run for tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, so it's on my, it's on like the two that I've got to get listened to. And, um, but no, well, it's don't excuse right. the, the audio was really bad on it. We, I didn't have the right mic on and it really, but you can hear hey, us, but you know, the good news is where I run, it don't matter what the audio sounds like as long as I got it cranked up to 10. All right. Nobody's <laughs> right. listening. Nobody else can hear me when I'm running. I promise. You that. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's yeah. Balance is one of those things. And like, um, I don't know really what our, I, I've got a pretty good feel for what our goals for 23 are um, for the ranch and some things I want to get done that I neglected last year, but uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of take a week by week for now and get, yeah, get through well, kind of the winter, the winter slug. And then we basically roll into, you know, kind of, kind of calving and we got plenty of stuff to do between now and then. So, yeah. So for, for 23, for me, a big, um, a big goal for the ranch is, is paying off some debt. Mm. Um, you know, we've got a lot of, I mean, we're, we're leveraged debt. I mean, it's not bad debt, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, but it's still, I'd still like to, anytime you have debt, your bottom line's affected. So yep. I'd like to, I mean, you know, that as a banker for sure, yeah, Me too. you know, <laughs> I, Hey, trust me, I'm in the same boat as you, buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big, you know, I'm going to take advantage of the cattle market, you know, Last time the cattle market was high, I spent money, but I, and I spent it on good things. Like I put in a lot of pipe fence the last time yeah. the cattle market was high, um, but I didn't pay off the debt that I should have. And, and now I'm learning this time around. Instead, I'm going to pay off the debt when the pr prices are high and then maybe shift a little bit and save a little bit when the cattle prices are low. And, you know, maybe, maybe I can get some, some better prices on stuff. I don't know. You know, we'll see. You know, yeah. try to work, work on work ahead instead of behind. Mm. Yeah. I, we're kind of in a similar boat. We, and I think, you know, as my current full-time job is going, I said that strange. We'll get into that maybe some other time, but regardless, um, as a, as a lender, I see the variable rate on a lot of like guys, lines of credit just going up and uh -huh. guess what? I've got a line of credit too. And guess what? My right. rate's done. It's gone up. And yeah. so I can feel the pressure of that, that account kind of building. And so we're, we're making decisions on how do we manage this best to minimize our cost? Um, because basically if you don't change anything, your interest expense for the year is going to double. 
Right. If you don't find a way to manage either that or increasing your revenue, you're going to be left with, if you had the same production as you did in the previous year, you're going to really shrink your margin tight. And that's, you know, again, that's why we're focusing on a few things. And that's, we, uh, this past weekend, we work calves. So, oh, might not be able to see it with the glare, but basically all of our calves, we pulled DNA on some and we're going to send it off because if, you know, the, the two bulls that I have, um, they're not 10 months old, not even 10 months old. No, they are born in May. So they're seven, eight months old. One was 700 pounds and one was 685. And so I'm like, hey, they're still bulls. If their DNA comes back and is kind of gives me an inkling that I don't like it, we're cutting them. And then babies are going in our feedlot for freezer beef because we can get that pushed pretty quick and easy versus trying to hold them on to bulls. We have them as yearlings and our pay, right, stretch is so far out, right? That's the only thing I've disliked about retaining all my own heifers is my my cost just seems to keep piling up because I got all these heifers I'm holding back and holding back. And then sure. finally I'm, I'm about to the point where we're the capacity of where we want to be with our cow herd, with our stocker business involved. Right, and right. So, I'm hoping that 23 gets all those calves on the ground or a vast majority of them. And then 24, we can finally push it. And this is the first year I have one calving season versus two. Oh, and wow. So I'm kind of, ex- kind of excited about that. It was, it's kind of happenstance, right? We did this embryo transfer work. The vet that was used by the embryo owners, um, he got kind of delayed. So we didn't do that transfer until um, July, middle of July. I'm usually turning my bull out like the first week of June. And so my fall calving cows I had, which usually calve in September, I was trying to move them up to get them to calve in August because I go out West to elk hunt in September. So again, trying to match all of the systems. Mm. Well, I just kept my bull with them and they calved in um, like early July. Okay. So now everything is pretty well calving, going to calve within 60 days this year. And I'm, and we oh, got everything. So checked, nice. And we've got, I think three or four opens, which we knew two were going to be just based on one was a pretty thin cow that had twins and just never really performed back. And one is a 14 year old cow and she's the biggest thing we've got on the place outside of maybe a trailer. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I think we're kind of in the same boat. We're trying to find a way to, to manage those expenses to uh, improve margins slightly if we can. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're doing, we're, we're trying to do a few that we, we rolled some heifers out to this year. I normally keep all of my heifers, yep. all of my spring heifers. I'm just keeping a few of them this year. Um, doing things just a little bit differently, but uh, it's it again, that's part of having not just a ranching side also, but, but being involved in ranching altogether is, is, is being able to pivot as the times, you know, there's no, if you're doing things exactly the same way over and over and over again, you're just, you're bound to go broke. And isn't that the uh, definition of insanity? It is. And, you know, and I think for in ranching for so long, it was so you could do that, but things are so different now. Um, costs are so much higher. Land mm-hmm. prices are just astro- astronomically higher. Uh, things are just so much different than they have been in uh, really ever. So, uh, being able to pivot our businesses is is really key. Yeah, I think um, 
we're kind of the same way. I think I'm looking at my list right now and I generally will hold every heifer back regard mm-hmm. to a certain extent, regardless of um, makeup, we were just trying to grow a herd and we did believe in our genetics and we still do. But now, you know, I basically pulled my top maybe four or five heifers out of this calf crop and we pulled DNA on all of them. We're going to send them in and verify what we think might be true. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If they don't, and I'm not even talking chin in the bar. I mean, these better be dead gum ringers for them to stay. And if they don't, if they don't meet that, I like you a lot, but you will taste just fine on my plate yeah. or one of my yeah. customers. Somebody else's, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And you know what? Somebody else might like them. And we might try to market them as like younger uh, yearling type replacement heifers that you can put in your herd and breed them this spring or this summer and they'll calve for I you buy next those. year. I like buying those. Yeah. You know. And hey, you know you what? Still make we money might, on those. We might do that, but I, I'm a believer in data. Um, that's why I got genetic or that's why I got registered cows is mm-hmm. to get more data set. I'm kind mm-hmm. of a data geek. Um, and so it's just a tool I'm going to use. I don't, it does cost money. And so, you know, here I am saying I'm trying to save money, but I'm going to go spend 35 to $50 on a DNA sample. But that's for that, that animal's entire life. And it, sure. like my bulls and or those heifers, It'll give me like nine, I think the heifers are, the low density panels, like nine calves worth of data set I can get versus like, she's never had a calf. She's literally 10 months old. I can get enough data that will prove nine calves worth of data. Interesting. And so it's like, well, why, why wait 12 years to get the same amount of data I can have today for $35? And that'll tell me, Hey, I don't want her. She can go to town. Yeah, I spent 35 bucks, but I also saved my How operating expense for her save? for nine yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I say that because these are, this is to my scale, right? Like these heifers might meet somebody else's scale. Sure. They, or they might not be good enough for somebody else, but for me, they fit the system I want. Context so, is key. Yes, very much so. So let's let's shift here okay. you know, bef- before we close. Because we wanted to talk, both talk about it because we're both doing something kind of, kind of together. And we're both, uh, we're both training for half marathons. Yeah, we are. We yeah. are. Is this going to be your first? Very first. I've, so the furthest I've ever, ever ran competitively is a 5k. Okay. And I've done a few. Um, okay. we, my wife and I, um, had the, had a miscarriage several years ago and, um, kind of a missional place around here they do a remembrance 5k every year so we've been doing that um that's been about the furthest i've run competitively um and i it kind of hit me a twofold last year um number one i I got to the realization that i want to better myself physically like my fitness Mm -hmm. level and nutrition um i have two daughters and i want to walk them down the aisle if i can and so if i can Obviously tomorrow's not guaranteed. And, um, but if I can kind of hedge some bets and maybe be a little healthier, then why not try for them? Um, also when I went out West to elk hunt, I realized that my short-term endurance level was pretty good. I had short-term bursts that were fine based on my, my workout training that I was doing. I was doing CrossFit style training and it was working out great, but I couldn't sustain it long-term, you know, Mm -hmm. five, six, seven miles. I was just getting burnt out. So I said, well, how do you fix that? Well, you just run for a long time. So I've signed up for a half marathon and I've actually got a 10 miler on, uh, oh, I don't have a calendar in here yet. Um, I got a 10 miler 
Today's the ninth. The twenty second, I think. It's oh a, wow! Okay, it's so two weeks from up. yesterday. Two weeks from yesterday. So yeah, the twenty second is a ten miler called the Yeti. Go figure. Who sounds like fun running ten miles outside in Northwest Ohio in the winter? <laughs> um, but then yeah, my my half marathon is the Glass City half, um, and that's in Toledo, uh, April twenty third, I believe. Okay. And I okay. think that's what that's a, like a week ahead of yours. Mine is so I'm doing April. Mine's April first. Oh, April first. Oh, okay. You get to so, go first then. Yeah, I'm oh. first. Mine's in St. Louis. Mine's the Go STL. Um, this is a little bit different for me because uh, this is my third one yeah. I've done. Um, my first one was in Texas in 2019, and then we did not even a sanctioned one. We just did one. Uh, it wasn't really even competitive because it was in 2020 and there was nothing competitive in 2020. Uh, just a group of friends and I all got together and did one. Um, so this will be my third one. And, uh, you know, the training for this one has been so different because my runs have been so slow, like compared to where I've normally run. Be, but I've read so much about heart rate training and zone zone the green zone training. So for mm. me at, at 39, my green zone is 130 to 147, I think, okay. so, or 148. So that's the heart rate I try to stay at at a constant level. And that's the kind of training that is going to sustain you for, because that's, that's a much more like long-term you can stay like you can't stay above 148 for a long time or else it's just no good but if you stay in that you know medium (laughs) i got a buddy there i see this is jack hey hi jack (laughs) my daughter came in and grabbed her bible for bedtime and jack snuck in with her so this is jack i think my things went on there we go but anyway, if you stay in between that, it's, uh, you know, you're supposed to be able, you're supposed to be able to, you'll handle those times you get above it a lot easier. So okay. you know, like, like when you're elk hunting, that's it. That's a good place to train for elk hunting is in that, in that middle zone yeah. there. Um, yeah. you know, cause it, it's for long-term endurance. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'd... when you're burning, that's when you're burning your stores, versus okay. like what you've cons- like that's where you're burning like your fat and your protein versus yep. burning carbs i got you yeah i've never i've not the science like the sports science behind it is super intriguing to me um but i'm so new to like the fitness the fitness area and running especially that all of that stuff is super intriguing but i'm literally like i'm trying to survive here we can yeah, deal with you. sports science once sure. I get a good feel for it. I know. But yeah. for today, um, this is what I'm after. I Yesterday, I ran 10.1 miles. It oh, was the wow. longest I've ever ran in one slug. Um, it felt amazing. I Like, I got done. And I'm a little sore today. Last week was pretty heavy on the legs for just my normal workout schedule. And so, hips and knees were pretty achy last night and today. But, like, I feel good. Um, I, I do not follow the heart rate thing. I'm... I've been more after slowing down in the front half because I got a feeling sure. that when I show up with, you know, 150 other people sitting next to me, all going off the gun at the same time, that the competitive mindset of mine is going to take this hat and put her into race mode. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go because that's, that's who I am. And so I've been training myself to go so slow that it's like annoying. Mm-hmm. And but It takes a lot of discipline to be, to go slow. 
It really it is. does. And it's, um, you know, I, I, I went into signing up for this, um, as like a, a way to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's easy to kind of get stuck in a rut or get kind of complacent. And I said, well, let's put something so far out there that it would be really tough for me to reach. And to me, a half was it. Um, I feel pretty confident after yesterday's run that if that half was next week, I could, especially sure. with competitive juices and adrenaline, sure. I could probably manage my way. So most beginners, uh, most beginners programs, you don't tens as far as you ever run in the program. Yeah. They say that they say the adrenaline and the competitive juices will get you that extra three miles after. So I, I don't disagree. I actually wholeheartedly agree, but I'm, I'm sitting there like I, I went from when I went and finished yesterday, I, I basically told myself my goal was to finish the half marathon, like just to finish. I had a time in mind, but just to finish. And now that I did 10, I'm like, well, 10, if I can do 10, like, and literally yesterday I felt good enough. I was like, I might just keep going, mm -hmm. right. Might just keep going, get my 13 and call it good. But I'm like, this is a training program for a reason. Mm -hmm. Do not push it. You've got plenty of time, like no reason to stress your body more than you have to. And, uh, I was like, well, now we're going to do more than survive this thing. Now we're going to, we're going to make this thing ours and we're going to own it. Now I'm not going to go out there and run like a six minute mile right. for every 13.1 miles, but I'm going to do better than, or I'm, I'm hoping that I do better than what I anticipated when I signed up for this thing, uh, what, three months ago, two months ago. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. But yeah. Awesome. Well, man, uh, probably time to call it a night. Uh, go watch some football. Go watch some football. Um, you know, spend some time with our wives and our kids before they go yep. to bed. So, yeah. We've got, I think bedtime's happening kind of as we speak at my house, which is yep, fun. Yeah. I guess it probably is. Ours yeah, I'm on that field hour, Eastern so, time zone here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But. but no, I appreciate it, man. And um, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon with we'll do it again. cabin season, cabin season coming up. Uh, I've got sure a lot we'll, to talk about. Yep. Yeah. So awesome, man. All right, brother. Have a great night. Yeah, man. You too. See ya. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows.